everyone, and welcome to episode 11, I don't know why I said it like that, of Badland Girls. I'm Rhea. <laughs> and I'm Destiny. And how are you, Destiny? I'm doing good. I uh, haven't been up to much. I've just been playing a lot of The Sims 4 on Xbox. Oh, how's that going? What's going on in your, is it your town? Can I say that? Like, Yeah, it's a whole town. Uh, but I played two families in the in the town. Uh, the, I, I started out with this couple, and then they had a kid, and then that kid grew up and adopted two other kids. And right now, I'm playing the families of those two uh, children. So the son, his name is Graham. He has two toddlers and a baby on the way with his wife Audrina. And he's a up-and-coming comedian, and so he works on his routines, and he's obsessed with working out, so he works out all the time when he's not taking care of his kids. And his wife is, she doesn't have a job right now, because I just wanted to have a bunch of kids, and it's hard to, like, balance work with, like, raising children. And I didn't mean to make it, like, weird gender uh, husband work, but... He he had more free time than she did when it was time to decide who wanted a jo- who had to get a job. <laughs> so she'll get a job after the kids are a little older and in school. I think I'm gonna have her be a scientist. I like that. Um, thanks. And his sister uh, Yuna, she lives with this guy named Rufus, and they I've never had this much trouble getting two Sims to start dating each other. Like, they just don't like each other. Why? I can't. Why? Oh, I don't know. Like, there's nothing in their personalities that clashes. But every time I try to put, like, romantic intentions behind any of their social interactions, one of them rejects the other. (laughs) Oh, man. So I don't know if this relationship's going to work out. She might have to move back in with her brother and his kids. Oh, my goodness. Uh, We'll see. I love sim drama. Keep me posted. There was some pretty awful drama when Graham and Yuna were growing up because I had the two dads, their names were Sebastian and Ivan, and Ivan was Yuna's adopted dad and Ivan's adopted stepdad. And for some reason, you can do romantic interactions with your stepchildren. What? Why? I don't know. So Ivan, once uh, Graham hit young adult, Ivan started flirting with him and almost ruined his marriage to Sebastian. This is some weird clueless shit. Horrible. Yeah, it was gross. <laughs> <laughs> Especially since he had raised him from a toddler and then all of a sudden he was flirting with him. Oh my, no, no. Sims, fix that. Yeah. That's a bug. It needs to be fixed. <laughs> yes, that is a bug. Oh, it is man. disgusting. Have you ever done... But yeah, that's... Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, uh, that's just what's going on with my Sims. What were you going to ask? I was going to ask if you've ever done any weird things with your Sims, like creatively kill them or anything else. No, I play pretty straightforward. Like, the only thing I don't really do is a lot of the, and this is surprising, but, like, there's uh, aliens in this game. <laughs> and I don't really play. <laughs> I know. And you can make alien sims and have babies with them and stuff and make little alien children. And I don't usually play, like, the occult, they call them occult sims, like vampires and 
uh, I guess there aren't werewolves, but there's vampires if you get one of the expansion packs. And uh, I don't usually play those. I play straightforward. I usually like to do long generations of families, uh, neighborhoods full of interesting characters. Most of my Sims are pretty good. They don't like, they aren't mean to each other. Like, <laughs> it's a pretty boring, straightforward uh, town that I play. I wouldn't call it boring. I just would call it heavily inspired by your love of story of seasons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of slice of life stuff happening. And you know, the first thing I did was when I got this Xbox was, uh, well, when M got this Xbox, when I got the Sims, the first thing I did was download the seasons expansion. So now like there's summer, winter, fall and spring and holidays. And it makes the game so much richer. That's really cool. Oh, it's the best. I love it. And this is the best console version of The Sims. Like, usually the console versions are not as good as the PC versions, but this one's pretty close. Nice, nice. I'm enjoying myself. Yeah, the a long time ago I was watching a Try Guy video with one of the Try Guys where he was creating Sims with the help of a uh, this gamer girl. And um, he was creating versions of the Try Guys. Uh, Keith, one of the Try Guys, was doing it. And then... He put them on the internet for fans to download, and then he asked them to send him videos of creative ways of how they killed them. (laughs) And by far the most creative one was this girl created a swimming pool maze that you had to go through to get inside the house, and (laughs) and they all died lost in that maze. It was very saw. That is hilarious. Yeah, I never murder my Sims on purpose. Like, they all die of old age. <laughs> I had one Sim die accidentally. He was electrocuted in a Sims 2 game that I played, and I remember being so mad that I, like, restarted everything. Oh, no! How did he get electrocuted? He was repairing a stereo, but his handiness level wasn't high enough to repair it, so he just got electrocuted and died. Oh, man. Sometimes Sims is I too was- real. <laughs> Too real, too real. And there's so many ways to kill them. They die so many. Like, you can have sex to death. <laughs> they call it woohooing. Like, you can woohoo to death. You can be electrocuted. You can die in a fire. You can drown. You can starve. Like, there's so many ways to die. Wow. But I just, my Sims all die of old age. <laughs> well, thank you for being pure of heart. <laughs> <laughs> and not killing off your Sims in, in weird ways. Speaking of video games, are you going to get Pokemon Snap when it comes out? Probably. I loved that game when it was on the 64, so I I think I want to relive some childhood memories and play it on the Switch. Okay, cool. I've never played it, as uh, you know, and possibly our listeners know. I'm very new to Nintendo IP, and so there's a lot of, like classic games that I'm just now being introduced to because they're remaking them and Pokemon Snap is one that sounds really fascinating to me and just sounds like such a chill game experience I really want to play it yeah it looks phenomenal I um I'm really excited I just remember the surprise Pokemon like the ones you had to do things to get them to show up those were always my favorite nice Yeah, one of my uh, 
um, one of the things I really liked was Felicia Day used to have a show with her brother where they played old video games that they weren't allowed to play in their childhood. And they're both <laughs> RPG nerds. So they were playing Pokemon Snap. And at first they were like really grumpy and thought it was super boring. But by the end, they're like, this is the best game we've ever played on this show. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good game. Like when you, re- it's just taking pictures of Pokemon. Like that's all it is. But for some reason it's like really fun and fulfilling. Yeah. See, I love that kind of stuff. I love when, I love chill games. I love that. Yeah, me too. I'm a big fan. You know me, me, my Stardew Valleys and my Story of Seasons and Sims. Oh yeah, love a chill game. What have you been up to? What have I been up to? I have not been up to very much at all. Just you know, reading, <laughs> reading comic books, uh, watching a lot of TV. I have not watched very many movies this year so far, because I've just been yeah, watching so much TV. I haven't been watching anything except for uh, Dragon Ball Super, which we're almost done with. Uh, and let me think. Oh, in movies for repertory screenings. Like the last movie I watched, if, if we were to do our regulars, would just be the last movie I watched for repertory screenings. Which was? Oh. Putney Swope. Oh, hey, hey. Do you still I love, love it? Putney Swope. Yeah. Yes. It, it's not as... Um, the jokes are... They don't age well, but... The overall chaos energy of the film still holds up brilliantly. So, yeah, look forward to... Uh, I'm assuming that will be up before this. So, yeah, the most recent repertory screening should be on Putney Swope. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, no, still a good movie. Robert Downey Sr. is a madman. For sure. Uh, <laughs> what was the last movie you watched? Well, like I said, I haven't been watching very many movies. So the last series I watched was um, a PBS murder mystery series called Miss Scarlet and the Duke. It is a period Ooh. piece about a young woman in Victorian times striking out as a private detective and all the all the kind of obstacles she goes against being a single woman trying to be a detective in this oppressive time period it takes place in england um there is supposed to be kind of like a eliza lizzie bennett uh and kind of mr darcy-esque romance between miss scarlet and the aforementioned duke which is a, a detective inspector at scotland yard but i don't think people realize how unique Mr. Darcy was as a character um and when they try and replicate him it usually falls flat and it fell flat in this although the Duke ended up redeeming himself near the end but it's like you can't just throw in a grumpy surly male character and expect every woman to swoon like he's Mr. Darcy although I'm sure lots of women swoon over him but I'm just like I'm not here for this I I don't like jerks (laughs) He's a yeah, jerk to Miss like, Scarlet. I don't like jerks either. I never understood the appeal. Uh, I don't know a lot about Mr. Darcy. Like, I've seen a couple of adaptations of... God, remind me which one that is. It's Pride and Prejudice. 
Thank you. I've seen two movie adaptations of it, and I remember thinking, why? <laughs> why this <laughs> See, I feel like the the television series with um, Colin Firth is the best uh, portrayal of Mr. Darcy, because the thing about Mr. Darcy is he's kind of abrasive and a jerk, but he spends the whole novel show doing a selfless act for Lizzie to prove that he is not what he seems on the surface. And you can't really get that in a movie. You can get it when a series, when it's like more, uh, goes more in depth. So, but I also think of that Kate Beaton comic where the two, um, uh, sisters who wrote Wuthering Heights and Jane Eyre, uh, what are their names? The Bronte sisters. They're both, uh, yeah, they're both like swooning over these asshole men. And then the third sister is like, that guy was an asshole and that other one was a drunk. And it's like, oh, shut up. This is why your books don't sell. <laughs> it's just like, oh, dear. But yeah, I'm not a big fan of jerky men that I'm su- that we're supposed to be attracted to because they're so mysterious and they care. They're like, they're, they're like a tootsie roll in the center. I'm like, no, they're just a... There's just an asshole on the outside. I don't I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, I never got that. That's probably why I never like I did like Wuthering Heights when I read it, but I was never a big Bronte Sisters fan. Um but maybe someday I'll actually read Pride and Prejudice and then give you my like in depth opinion. Oh, I'd love that. Are you kidding me? Pride and Prejudice and a sense and sensibility to me are like kind of like distant reflections of each other. Cause I feel like Pride and Prejudice is the more kind of fantastical of them. And sense and sensibility is the more realistic of the pair given the drama in both, because you know, everyone in Pride and Prejudice ends up rich and wealthy and happy pretty much. And Sense and Sensibility, I feel like Jane Austen, like, no, there was real consequences for some of these actions that were happen- happened. And they're happy, but they're not all, like, rolling around in money. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah I'm gonna that's have to, the last I'm, thing I'm, I watched. No, okay, well, that actually sounds like a lot of fun, uh, despite the shit romance. Yes. <laughs> I like the idea of a Victorian detective uh, lady. Like, that's really cool. Yeah. It's a fun concept. I just feel like sometimes these shows, like, there's this uh, character on the show, a Jamaican uh, named Moses. And I feel like Miss Scarlet has more chemistry with him and more in common with him than she does with the Duke. And I'm like, why don't we work on that relationship? <laughs> Yeah, they could make it an interesting drama about interracial relationships in the Victorian era. Oh, I'd love that. Are you kidding me? Oh, jeez. It would be different. Yeah. Oh, well. That's just what Rhea (laughs) wants, apparently, not what all the other white women who watch this show wants. (laughs) (laughs) PBS has a trick up its sleeve every once in a while. I say okay. that uh, not having watched a PBS series since Downton Abbey, which I didn't even finish. <laughs> uh, that's because Downton Abbey dragged on forever. 
You got bored yeah, with it? I got I got bored with it after um mm. I think that first Christmas special then I was done. Yeah. It's a it's a show if we're going to shit on Downton Abbey for a second. It's a show that's easy to get bored with uh very quickly to me. Uh, it's just the same the same story over and over again, and I'm like, I, I can't do this anymore, guys. Sorry. <laughs> I was trying to think, like, what is my favorite period piece film or, like, series? I really liked Marie Antoinette because it's so colorful. And the Sofia Coppola film? The story film? is really good. Yeah. I have um, not seen that. But... I think you'd really like it. Oh, and I love The Favorite. The Favorite was fucking great. What's The Favorite? Um, it is... Uh, it's a couple of years old now. It was the film that... Oh, I can't think of her name, but the woman from Extras and uh, Peep Show. She won the Oscar for it, I believe. And she was like, this will never happen again. But it's her... Oh, okay, and- Olivia Coleman. Thank you. I could not think of her name, but it's Olivia Coleman as the Queen of England, and she's fucking Rachel Vice, and uh, they uh, end up <laughs> having a strain on their relationship when uh, Emma Emma, what's her face? It's Emma Stone. Uh, Emma Stone shows up and tries to steal the Queen's attention. And she and Rachel Vice have this like huge rivalry, and it's so fucking funny. You know, I once once you went into the plot, I remembered what it was, but I totally forgot about that movie and that I wanted to see it. <laughs> Damn it! Oh, it's great. I saw it in a theater and was so surprised. It's by the director. It's the same guy that did Dogtooth and the Lobster. Oh, you love that guy. Yeah, he's great. I can't think of his name. He's a Greek director, but he's, uh, I didn't like The Lobster as much as I liked, uh, The Favorite and Dogtooth, but I will always love The Favorite and Dogtooth. Nice. Yeah, speaking of, like, period piece films, like, there's a lot of good ones, uh, a lot of good Jane Austen adaptations. I stand by the Ang Lee, uh, Ang Lee directed, uh, Emma Thompson written Sense and Sensibility. Oh, Sense of Sensibility, yeah, okay. Yeah, that one's really a really good adaptation of the book. Um, I still say that the the long BBC television special of Pride and Prejudice is the best one, although I do enjoy that one with Kira Knightley. I think that's very well done as well. Uh, I enjoyed the Kira Knightley one. Yeah, it's not bad. It's just, uh, it's just not that Colin Firth one. <laughs> um, I also, uh, speaking of like, interracial relationships. I, I really love Belle. Remember Belle? Yeah, I saw that in the theater too. It was really good. Yeah, I really liked that one a lot. I thought it was a very um, unique, uh, it's something you just don't see in kind of those kind of Regency era kind of romances. And I really liked that one quite a bit. Yeah, I remember the director, the writer-director saying, like, she just wanted a movie where a black woman was being loved and there wasn't any, like, bullshit. And she did a good job of playing that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, she did an excellent job that, I mean, like, not even just loved by the her love interest, but loved by her white 
adopted sister and loved by her, you know, her father. It just very, lots of love in that film. <laughs> yeah, like, they didn't gloss over any of the challenges, obviously. Mm-hmm. But it, it is a very, like, sweet movie. I, but from what I remember, it's been a long time. Yeah, same. Might have to rewatch. For sure. We should do a Regency era. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> like, movie club where we're just watching these period pieces. Oh, man. There's so many of them I haven't seen. That might be something. I have like... some. Go ahead. Oh, okay. I have some that we could watch that I think are interesting. They won't all be Jane Austen adaptations, but there's some that I feel like are, I, I think a good one would be like offbeat Regency, like period pieces, stuff that doesn't fit in the traditional mold of what you expect in a, in a, in a period piece film. I'm just imagining a lot of Merchant Ivory, which I actually really <laughs> like. Like, yeah, actually, like the number one, uh, Maurice. <laughs> oh, I, yeah. See, I love that movie. So, yeah. ain't no thing. <laughs> ain't no thing. That movie is like <laughs> one of the best period pieces I've ever seen in my life. A gay movie with a happy ending. Like, I rare bird. I know. Ah. Yes, I have Still a soft. a rare bird. Yeah, yeah, what the heck? I mean, even the movie, the the movie that was uh, nominated, the like the big one, the Brokeback Mountain, was depressing as all get out. <laughs> Every time I think about that movie, I just want to cry for hours. I love that movie. I love that movie so much. I saw it six times in the theater. But you yeah, did not. Was, I I sure did. Oh, I love that. Um, I really, I was such a you know I'm so such a big fan of of a Brokeback Mountain, even though it just like tears your heart out and throws it across the floor. And I'm so sad that it didn't win Best Picture, but it doesn't need it because it's still so fondly remembered, but I still really wanted it to win. It's it's still like above most romances for me, uh, even with its sad ending. I don't know. I don't hate a sad gay movie. Like I actually really like me a sad gay movie. I'm a sad gay movie defender. I'm I'm okay with a sad romance movie in general. Um, I just like with Brokeback Mountain. I I just think you know uh, it's my Titanic. You know how a lot of people love Titanic, even though that's like supposed to be a sad romance. Like Brokeback Mountain is my pinnacle of sad romance. It's my fucking Titanic. Wow. Yeah. I guess it's mine too. Like I saw it at the right place in time. I still like a lot of things about Titanic, but the romance is not why I'm watching that movie. <laughs> I'm yeah. watching that movie for, like, the third grader, the inner third grader who still loves Titanic facts. <laughs> I did not know you liked Titanic facts. This is fascinating. <laughs> what made you interested in Titanic? I don't know. I think we read The Unsinkable Molly Brown in school, and I just remember thinking, ooh, a big boat that sank, and really wanting to hear about it. <laughs> that's so wonderful i love that it's like my childhood fascination with whales which definitely came from that star trek movie about the whales oh mine came from free willy oh really oh yeah was but it more... killer whales especially that you liked yeah killer whales and dolphins i don't know i feel like every person that came of age in the 90s um 
or not came of age, but had a 90s childhood, had like a marine biology phase, and I'm not sure what caused it, but like I would blame Free Willy and just... Flipper. Flipper, I guess. I don't know. I never saw that <laughs> Elijah Wood Flipper movie. Oh, man. Uh, for me, it was definitely... I know it was... The reason why I specifically call out that Star Trek movie is because... I, um, it was about humpback whales and that was the whale that I liked the most were the humpback whales. I did a whole science presentation on humpback whales and it got me into the, like the, the city competition, uh, because I won first place at my school. And so I got to show off my little, you know, three ply board at the city wide retrospective of kids science experiments. And I was one of the few kids that had a science thing on display that did not have actually some sort of experiment with it, like a volcano or like a little robot. Mine was purely just facts about whales. And if that doesn't say a lot about how I learn and what I like to research about, I don't know what does. <laughs> that is so funny. Do you still <laughs> find yourself like doing adult research projects? Are you kidding me? Hell yes. <laughs> me too. Me too. Just thought I'd ask. Uh, the most recent one, I guess, kind of goes into what our last episode was about, which is uh, our resolutions. But since I've been like studying Korean, I've been really getting into the kind of linguistical, I don't know if that's a word, linguistic differences between the languages and how like complex uh, English language, modern English language vocabulary is compared to Korean. And it's kind of fascinating to kind of study like these differences and how their grammar works and their structure. And like that kind of stuff makes me really regret not taking a linguistics class when I was in college. God dang it. <laughs> linguistics is one of the most fascinating like fields of study like I loved linguistic I took linguistics in college I took a few linguistics classes because I thought I was going to be an ESL instructor mm -hmm. uh, never finished the certificate but yeah that is just pull up some YouTube videos and have a good time yeah I really my dad will sometimes like he has a few science YouTubers he follows and stuff and sometimes I'll just sit in on those and just like watch those and it's just like fascinating to know like just learn like bite-sized facts about things like there was this one that just i think it was from pbs a, a pbs affiliate just about the many extinction events our planet went through before like the meteor hit it was like five or six it was it was crazy That's fascinating i love yeah. shit like that i love it <laughs> and to kind of go along with that i just finished this book called women in art by Rachel Iganofsky, I think is how you say her name. And she's, this is like her fourth book. She's done a, uh, like three books, which are basically like illustrated books about various women in different fields. Her first one was about women in science. And it's a mixture of like a couple famous women, but mostly women you don't hear about very often. And then her second one was women in sports. And then her third one that came out uh, a couple of years ago was women in art. And it's just like a bite-sized like kind of preview into all these different women and the art mediums they worked in. And like I always end up like doing so much research of my own, just jump starting from her books. And it's just like fascinating to read and know like how there were so many women who were just such trailblazers of their craft 
and how I don't know about them. Yeah, no, there's so many people that, like, fell between the cracks because of just sexism in the art world. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's really great that there are people that are finding these artists and reevaluating them and re-elevating them. Yeah, I'd say about, like, maybe... um... Hmm. let's say like maybe five years plus there was a real boom in these women writing these kind of um kind of like short uh well illustrated informational books about various women through history as a as a way to kind of provide uh modern readers like a quick bite-sized look into the many women who have been overlooked in science in in, in everything and some of them and just in history and stuff like that. And uh, there's a good collection of them out now. I have a lot of them and, and or have read a lot of them, but Rachel's books uh, kind of like uh, rise above the rest, I think, just because she focuses on like one area of study, like art, science, you know, sports, and then just kind of does like a deep dive into who to highlight and how they... Um, how they uh, kind of like elevated their craft and how they helped support other women to do what they pioneered. Very interesting stuff. That's really cool. Yeah. I love to read. I am a nerd. Reading is fundamental. Yes, it's very important. (laughs) (laughs) I'm reading a book right now called Bone White by Ronald Malfi about this guy whose brother went missing in the Alaskan wilderness and like, he goes up to this small town and everything's all creepy. There's like crosses everywhere and nobody won't talk. Like nobody will talk to him. And uh, it's just grim. It's just a grim book. I'm, I'm loving it. Is it a true story? No, it's, it's fiction. Okay. Cause that sounds terrifying to me. Is there anything more terrifying than creepy small town? No, <laughs> no, absolutely not. Bone white. You said, I think I might pick this up. Oh yeah, it was a gift that somebody got me for Christmas, and I, uh, I'm loving it so far. I'm like halfway through, but yeah, I'll, I'll nice. let you know once I finish it what my final thoughts are. Okay, thank you. Well, we got into a lot of different stuff today, but let's do our jam, shall we? Yes. So, ah, Badland girl, girl, that's, that's my, jam. my jam. Destiny, what's your jam? My jam is a classic Janelle Monet song Ooh. called uh, Violet Stars Happy Hunting which is off of I think it's her first album um, Metropolis let me double check that it's her first album because I don't actually know I don't think I know this song either although I'm more familiar with her later stuff than her earlier stuff to be honest with you yeah she's got quite a few albums out now um and I know she just released a single. But yeah, it's from her 2008 album, Metropolis, The Chase Suite. And it's part of her, like, Cindy Mayweather story about the mm. android who's being hunted for loving. And uh, it's such a, it's a really, like, high-energy pop song. And it's got this great, like, chorus of, of sirens. And I just super love it. Nice. That's awesome. I'll have to look up this track. Like I said, more familiar with her later work than her earlier stuff. No worries. What's your jam? 
so one of the tools that I'm using to study Korean is this app called Teuda, which basically is uh, they kind of like guide you through um, how to pronounce simple phrases and then you repeat them back and it like has like a fancy little bot that judges your pronunciation based on that. It's very helpful. But one of the ambassadors for this project is a K-pop star named Nancy who lived in America for a little bit. She lived in Ohio. Uh, sorry that you lived in Ohio, but that's neither here nor, here, here nor there. Anyway. Um... <laughs> wow. Ohio hate coming out. <laughs> I'm just teasing because I don't want our, our bros at pool party to get mad at us for saying something like that. So anyway, um, uh, so she's the one of the ambassadors of the project. So I decided to look up her her group, which is called Momo Land. And they had a new single come out in 2020 uh, called Ready or Not. And man, that is a high energy pop song that just gets me pumping. Nice. <laughs> and so that is my uh, jam of the week. Nice. I uh, should look this up. I love a good K-pop jam. Yeah. They're just so, like, like uh, very slick. Every K-pop song is, like, the most slickly produced thing. It, and it makes, uh, like, the most slickly produced, like, American pop star look like they're recording in a basement with a four track, <laughs> which there's nothing wrong with that. I love that sound, but there's just, man, the production value is really amazing and something to be appreciated. And there's the, the beats and the bops. They're really, really, really good. The beats go hard. Yeah. Well, friends, we did not really have a targeted topic of conversation today. So we hope you enjoyed our free ramble throughout a variety of different topics of what, of what we like to do here at Badland Girls. <laughs> Uh, but thank you for listening and you can find the show notes for this episode and more episodes at our website, which is abnormalmapping.com slash badland girls. And thank you, abnormal mapping for hosting our podcast. We appreciate it. And we're also on your favorite podcatcher app, like Apple podcasts, where you can rate and review us Spotify and Stitcher. But, uh, oh, and you can email us too at badlandgirls at gmail.com. And we'll be back in a couple weeks to talk more about lots of different stuff. Maybe more, maybe more Regency era films or something. We don't know. Yeah, that might be an idea. I, I like it. <laughs> yeah, I think, well, we'll talk off mic about this. But uh, until next time, always, always pizza, pizza rolls. rolls.